The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Welcome to A Good Football Show. My name is Pat Corain, and in this episode, we are going to be diving deep into the 2022 rookie quarterback class. To do that, I am joined by Rich Rebar of Sharp Football Analysis, Kevin Cole of Pro Football Focus, and Danny Kelly of The Ringer. Guys, how's it going? Going great. Going good, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't have any interest in talking about this quarterback class at all, but <laughs> you invited me on a podcast with, uh, you know, I was like coming back to NBC, but then, you know, I heard Danny Kelly was going to be on the podcast. I've never done anything with him. Yeah. And then you said Kevin Cole was going to be on uh, someone I've met and hung out with in real life and we get along well. And I said, well, I'll just go hang out with these guys. It's the worst case scenario. <laughs> well, you know. The lack of consensus on this class and the lack of excitement on this class is definitely uh, pretty unique. Like, it seems that I, I can't really remember a class quite like this where, you know, you're hearing buzz that Malik Willis might go in the top 10. I've also seen recent mock drafts that do not include him in the first mm -hmm. round. So where these guys actually land <laughs> in the NFL draft seems extremely up in the air. And then as far as, you know, the, the consensus here, all three of you guys have a different quarterback ranked number one in this class. There is only one quarterback you all have ranked top three. So there's not a lot of consensus. <laughs> and, you know, that might mean this is a bad quarterback class. We also weren't particularly excited about Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. So, you know, maybe there's some guys <laughs> that are a little bit raw and could surprise us. But let's dive into the guy that you all three at least have ranked top three and is also the highest in the grinding the mocks expected draft capital Malik Willis. He has an average mock draft position of 11.8 over grinding the mocks. Uh, Rich, I'll throw this to you. You have him ranked number one among quarterbacks. He's obviously got some really exciting upside, but Malik Willis also has some concerning red flags. What do you like about him? Well, yeah, I think just too the, the top down look from this draft class, I think we've seen the offseason kind of play out that the NFL is kind of in consensus as well that this is not a strong class. Danny, you were at the combine. Uh, we sent Dan Pazuta there, mm -hmm. our buddy, and he, he specifically asked John Lynch if this draft class uh, tied into the decision they made on trading for Trey Lance last season. And he, he openly said, yes, it was like seeing what was this draft class was going to provide accelerated what we want to do at the quarter position last year. Uh, you look at the musical chairs in the NFL right now, we've got really the Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks kind of for open competition for quarterbacks. But the rest of this, like there's no locked in spot to where a rookie is like expected to start like week one, like we have had in years past too. And teams have set themselves in position to treat this draft class like that as well. Uh, even Malik Willis, if he ends up going like say number two to Detroit or like the Pittsburgh or, you know, some of these other spots, like, you know, he's going to be a guy that is going to need time. And that's really what he is. He's very much on the Josh Allen trajectory of like, this is a tools pick. And for me, like I'm, I'm writing things up from a fantasy stance. So it's like really easy for me just to glom on to the guy that provides like a high floor of rushing, even if he ends up being a terrible passer and saying like, Hey, at least this guy's going to be usable for fantasy football. 
But when you look at like all his accuracy concerns, like these are things that like necessarily don't fix themselves in the NFL. Josh Allen is like the one success story, you know, uh, you know, out of, out of that group of guys. And his, his accuracy, Willis is compared to Josh Allen's is night and day, especially like on the intermediate level. It's all literally just projection and taking a guy that has like athleticism and a huge arm and saying like, we hope that this upside can hit for us. Kevin, you had some really good research recently on avoiding sacks and uh, and scrambling ability. Willis did not avoid sacks last year. How, how big of a red flag is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I basically just went through all the different quarterback metrics that I could crunch together uh, for guys that we've been grading since 2014. So it doesn't really start. It starts with the 2015 quarterback class with Winston and Mariota and, and those guys there. And just tried to separate who I thought were the successful guys and who were, you know, failure, maybe a bit of, a, of an overstatement, but the unsuccessful quarterbacks and tried to look at those traits. And it really does just come down to guys who are mobile, guys who avoided sacks was another big thing there, and guys who were thriving under pressure. Maybe just that's where the NFL is going. So for Willis, it's interesting because last in his 2020 season, he wasn't that bad as far as taking sacks, but he had one of the worst scores of, you know, we're talking about a bottom five percentile as far as his sack rate based upon his pressure rate and his scrambling rate. But so did Sam Howell. So he's another guy I'm sure we'll get to. But both of those guys were near the peak as far as their ability to generate value scrambling, which is really, really good. But they were both in the bottom fifth percentile when it came to taking sacks. Danny, you when in the in the uh, ringer big board, you have shades of for each of these guys and you have for <laughs> Willis shades of Jalen Hurts with turbo boosters. That sounds yeah. pretty awesome. And like, I guess, you know, sacks don't count for fantasy. So right. I'm personally yeah. pretty excited about Willis from a fantasy perspective. But where are you at on him in terms of his ability to succeed? Yeah, I think so. I agree with everything that, uh, you know, you guys both said already. And, and I think it's just it's so difficult to project Willis going forward because he is um, in many ways a pretty unique prospect. He's like six foot tall. So that's obviously a red flag right there. But then you look at his tools and he's got, I think probably the strongest arm in this class. He's certainly the most athletic. He can, um, I think at, at the very least provide you like a floor as a guy that you can build an offense around in the read option game in terms of like his, his ability to boost the run game and all that stuff, do play action off of that. I think that's kind of why I'm somewhat, I guess, optimistic that he'll be able to at least start for a few years in the NFL is because you can build an offense around his, his legs and the way that he can, um, you know, change the way defenses have to defend your offense. So I guess landing spot does matter in the sense that he's going to need, I think, a team that's willing to do that um, in the same way that the Eagles have sort of built their offense around Jalen Hurts and the run game and, um, you know, deep shots and things like that. I think that they're pretty similar players. Um, Hertz probably was a little bit more polished as a passer. I think Willis is a far better runner. Um, so you give and take a little bit, but I think that's kind of like where I see Willis early in his career is in an offense that's heavily focused on the run game, play action. Um, if you're asking him to go in and run like a drop back, read progressions, things like that, like it's probably not going to work very well or early on at least. And so um, I think I, I just see him as a very like similar kind of prospect to Jalen Hurts and probably three years down the line like we are with Hurts people are gonna be like oh is he a long-term starter in the league you know but the first two years he could be like killing it in fantasy so in the fantasy realm I'm certainly pretty excited about what he can do if, especially if he can start like right away so I think with all these quarterbacks just generally is like a total like top level thing it's like a vibes class it's a you know I like the beauty is in the high eye of the beholder type class where, you know, there's definitely a lot of things that each guy has that I think will people will get excited about. But then there's also, you know, a lot of things that are like, wow, this is a massive red flag. <laughs> like <laughs> this may not work out so well. So um, I think that's just generally the whole class is kind of like that. And so um, and also each guy is pretty different from the other guy. They're, they're all kind of very different prospects. There's they all fit into different buckets. So, yeah, I think. To me, Willis is certainly the most exciting for fantasy, um, but I also think he has a interesting floor because of what he could do in like a read option, run game, play action, deep passing type offense. Rich, you mentioned the intermediate level concerns with Willis. Uh, also, not very much production over the middle of the field, but awesome as a deep throw uh, is a is a um, with his deep ball, just an incredible deep ball, really strong accuracy, willing to throw it. 
a kind of again from a fantasy perspective like i don't really care if he's yeah. missing the occasional throw over the middle if he's you know ripping deep balls but like obviously that could lose him a coaching staff pretty quickly yeah that's what you're kind of worried about like just the long term like is he does he really project as a long-term starter like i said like the Josh Allen like bucket of guys like it's really just him right that works out like he was such he was such a guy that hit off such a low probability pick that now we have everyone kind of chasing it right in a degree <laughs> and maybe it's just a byproduct of this class too like if, if you know Malik Willis is in a, a stronger class like he comes out last year where does he go he's probably clearly not in a, fir- a first round pick uh, but yeah it, it's it's really kind of uh, really tough because you know you do want to you got to be able to hit those throws in the NFL like you have to be able to. Uh, you know, throw in rhythm, you know, so you're not throwing to open guys in the NFL, you're throwing to windows. And that's where that level of throw is that 10 to 19 yards. That's like your bread and butter, your, your playoff play action passes. That's where you're going to throw stuff over the linebackers. And like, he was just abysmal in this class. I mean, last year his on target rate was 46% on those throws. The next closest guy was at 64% in this draft class. So like in context, like it's not even close, like where he is to the rest of this class in that level. And this is from a kid that played at Liberty. Like he's not playing at, you know, if he stayed at Auburn and played in SEC, uh, we really have no, like anything on his resume of him playing against like really good power five competition. And that's also like another red flag. So it's something I look at. And when we get to some of these other quarterbacks we talk about uh, specifically Desmond Ritter, like when you have to punch up, like it, it, it definitely is a signal to, well, I want to see how you perform in those situations. Kevin, you mentioned, or in the research that you did on uh, pressure, Willis wasn't great in success rate, but you know he's not like a success rate type of guy. He's more like a, a big play type of guy, and you know he did have some big plays under pressure. What are your thoughts on on that kind of um, like profile for him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think generally you're hoping for a higher success rate being that that's more, a little bit more consistent going forward. I mean, I think I agree with it. I guess my thing with him with Willis and, you know, I don't watch these guys in as much detail as someone like Danny does, or probably even rich is looking into it more, but kind of some of the stuff that the rich was, was hinting on about playing at Liberty. I mean, we're combining a guy who wasn't potential, you know, particularly prolific as far as what his numbers were played for Liberty um, is a little bit over six feet tall, right? I mean, this is like, like yeah. and, and the fact that he's being talked about is like a top five pick or the number two pick. I mean, Josh Allen was six, five and, you know, is 240 pounds or something like that. Maybe you could go back to someone like Michael Vick, who's just, but it's just a freak athlete, like beyond freak sort of athlete going, going number one. I, I'm just surprised that he is being moved up that far and maybe it's this whole discussion around needing to have an athlete in the NFL and, and how it's going that far. But yeah, I'm just like, he just doesn't have that success level, consistent success level that would normally translate over to the NFL because in the college game in particular, sometimes these guys have all day to throw the ball so they can generate huge, huge plays doing that. And that'll throw off your, your, you know, if you're taking your average statistics on something like expected points added versus your success rate, and mm-hmm. when, you, when you can't perform consistently successful plays, that's what you kind of need, especially in the NFL, to matriculate the ball down the field. And he, he doesn't quite have that. Where does he end up going in the draft? Does anyone have a real strong read on, on where he ends up going? Because <laughs> I think he's going to doesn't go seem like he's a lock for the first round, but he could also go top 10. I was going to say, I think he's going top. I don't think he'll get past Washington. I I don't know. Like I, okay. I Kevin, I think actually you're right. It's like in a normal class, maybe he's just a – fringe first round or whatever but for whatever reason i think teams do like him a lot and there's probably a lot of some of the not tape stuff you know some of the personality things like he has a magnetic personality he's a good leader um energetic guys you know glom onto him and all that stuff that teams i i'm sure believe in and leadership and like when you're the face of the organization things like that are important to coaches and evaluators and stuff so i think he does hit on a lot of those, like check a lot of those boxes. And that's what you heard at the combine. That's what you heard at the senior bowl. Like he's sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, like the the biggest alpha of the quarterback class. And so that I think is something that also is baked in here. And of course you're dealing with NFL teams who believe in that kind of thing. So um, I don't know, It like Daniel Jeremiah didn't have him in his top, in his, in his first round and his last mock draft, which could mean something or could mean nothing. Who knows? Not great. Um, but everything that like I've heard and, sort of the whispers at the combine are like he's a top 10 pick at this point. Okay. Rich, if he goes 
top 10 in the NFL draft, is he the super flex 101 or is this a year where you're taking a wide receiver running back? Probably. I mean, I don't think you have to force it. I mean, those guys are, are definitely currency in super flex league. So if he was to be that high of a draft pick, you'd say, well, already he's definitely going to start sooner than later and contribute to your fantasy roster. But I mean, if I have a bunch of good quarterbacks or I'm, I feel solid about my quarterback room, I mean, I'm probably like he's there's there's still a big reach here, like for him to hit. So I mean, outside of the currency element, I just feel better a lot about a lot of wide receivers here, and definitely Brees Hall. So I mean, that would definitely weigh on me depending if how if I had good quarterback room. I mean, I, it, I, we're gonna find out. We talk a lot of these guys, and it's not like we're pessimistic <laughs> on these guys necessarily, but like like so there's just red flags all over the board here. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move to Kenny Pickett. Uh, he has an expected draft position. You know 17.1 i've seen him like consistently in the first round he seems like semi locked into the first round although no one's really locked in this year danny i'll throw this to you you have him ranked number one in the class pretty strong uh scrambler obviously the fake slide uh one yeah one legendary <laughs> yeah <laughs> but also some very strong passing production as a fifth year senior yeah so i think you know, at the end of the day, I might actually not have him number one. I, I I'm still sort of trying to decide too. I think you know, like what Rich said, it's like, breaking news. Yeah, there's... breaking news here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think generally, you know, it's a floor versus ceiling discussion when it comes to like Pickett versus Willis. It's like Pickett has, a, I think, a better floor in terms of, um, you know, he's he's shown more in, in his ability to drop back in pass and like what would be like an NFL offense, right? And so, um. I think there's certainly some good things about him. He is very good out of structure in addition to being sort of a drop back deep passer guy that can hit his progressions a little bit more consistently than like a Willis or a corral or whoever. Um, and, you know, I think his fifth year pro- progression, what he did last year, like showed like growth, his ability to like pick up the offense and, and, be very, very high level in that offense. And so I think teams are going to like that. will be able to get up on the board and probably talk about, you know, breaking down defenses and things like that. That's important to, to teams. And so I think there's a strong chance he's the first quarterback taken, but like he too is just a massive, massive outlier because he has very small hands. And so I think it depends on what teams need quarterbacks and if they believe strongly in this hand size thing. And I think probably a lot of NFL teams do believe in it. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think his he's like the floor option at quarterback. Like he gives you, I think, would be like a his, his upside is like a league average starter type guy. Whereas a lot of these are, you know, the floor is terrible. Like never can like complete a pass in the, in the NFL type of deal. Um, so I think that that's kind of like what pushes pick it up for me. So I, again, I don't actually love picking. Like my Seahawks are picking at number nine, and I'd probably be pretty bummed if they pick pick it. <laughs> so I think that is like there's like shades of gray here. I'd rather have them pick Willis. To in the be rain. honest. So playing in the rain with uh, you know, I remember when uh, yeah. Pep Hamilton was out at Jared Goff's pro day dumping water on his hands, and uh, you know, you go back to Kenny Pickett this year. I'm trying to. I forget who they played uh maybe it was maybe it was north carolina and like the, the second half of that game it just became like a like a hurricane and like you know he just couldn't he just couldn't control the ball maybe at the, the wrong game it was like but uh it went to overtime and like he just you know, this guy had 37 fumbles it's not just like being able to hold on to the ball like it's you know to the turnovers like that like that's when you saw things like hand size get factored in and uh, I believe NFL teams do stock stuff like that, but also for him, like he just doesn't look that good anyways to me. Even when you add the the, the late breakout, like all his other peripherals still look really bad. Uh, like for his career, I mean, he's basically like 50th percentile in like everything for all quarterbacks since 2000. And even in yards for pass attempt, he's 29th percentile. So it's like another guy we have to massively project off this one season. Uh, and it was it was a huge season, by, but like not everyone's Joe Burrow, right? Like, and I keep saying, like, we keep chasing rainbows, right, with each one of these guys. Like, can we get this guy to turn into Josh Allen? Can we get this guy to turn into Joe Burrow? That's kind of where we are with a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean, in some ways it makes even less sense to, to be the fact that he's up there than Willis is up there for the exact reasons you talked about. It's like, oh, the NFL, we all need the Josh Allens and the Patrick Mahomes and the Justin Herberts and the ceiling and this and that. That's why Willis is number one. Uh, well, guess who number two is? 
the guy who's like not any of those things. It's kind of going in the opposite direction. Maybe you're right about the Joe Burrow thing. I guess I hadn't thought about that. So now it's so so now that they can think of it on every single way. But yeah, I, I just again, he's another guy where I haven't studied him a ton as far as watching him, but he doesn't seem to have some of the arm talent sort of traits of, of the other guys. He can scramble. Everyone can scramble in this, in this class. So I'll give, I'll give everyone credit there. They can generate something there, but again, he's a guy who didn't necessarily perform that well under pressure. And th there should be concerns about his, his ceiling. I, I thought that alone would push him below some other guys, but maybe some teams are, are really looking for that floor type of performance. It doesn't seem very exciting though. Yeah, and to put some numbers to the hand size thing, eight and a half inch hands up to eight and uh, and five eighths at his pro day. Growing, slowly, growing, slowly still. getting bigger. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but still, he's doing even exercises to like. Yeah, he's just stretching them. Yeah, <laughs> but even still, with the extra eighth of an inch, would have the smallest hands in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which at some point it has to matter. Like, uh, you know, Jared Goff had nine inch hands. Joe Burrow had nine inch hands. Kyler Murray has nine and a half inch hands. Like, it doesn't matter until it does, I think. And we don't really know if this is where it matters, but it certainly could matter. Is that is the hand size thing, uh, like, how serious of an issue is it? I think it's an issue. I think it is an issue. I mean, I know that GMs probably see it as an issue, too, which could mean he, he slides a little bit more than people are thinking now. And like what, like what you brought up in the beginning, there are not any teams that are in desperate need of a quarterback right now, you know, relative to where we were prior to free agency and, and all these trades and things. And so, um, you know, there, that might just change the whole complexion of the first round. And for the first time in forever, we might see like one quarterback in the first round or none, which would be kind of wild. And we, and we still have uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield floating yeah. out there also. Yeah. There's, there's still a couple other shoes that need to drop too before the draft. And so, I think, you know, when you look at the Baker Mayfield market, which is zero apparently right now, um, that also makes me a little less confident that a guy like Pickett will go in the first round. And and it's also why I'm thinking of moving him down in my rankings. I, <laughs> I think I just want to chase the upside. Excuse me. I chase the upside of a guy like Willis or um, Corral or Ritter, whereas, you know, Pickett to me is just more of a, you know, you're, you're looking at the, the floor, a higher floor than a higher ceiling. Kevin, you mentioned that uh, Pickett does have some scrambling ability. Do you see much fantasy appeal with him? Like if he's because I think the appeals he's slotting in is like a, a week one starter, whereas many of these guys, including Willis, might not play for mm -hmm. an extended period of time. But even if he's starting right away, do you see it much fantasy appeal with him? I mean, maybe a little as rookies. I think guys tend to scramble more often because they kind of they don't know what they're doing essentially essentially so that's the escape hatch to get out but for sustainable production i think you really want the guys who are going to run um mm -hmm. especially in the short yardage type of situations or near the goal line i don't know if he really fits the bill for that uh so i wouldn't count on much in that in that regard going forward but i think in a, in a first year yeah the guys are going to scramble a lot so he is he'll probably be he'll probably be running the fifth-year senior thing is also an issue with him and with Willis. And I guess to circle back on Willis quickly, like, does that create – like, with Pickett, maybe not such a concern because he's supposed to be more of, like, a finished product type of guy. Like, he's going to start right away. With Willis as, like, a project for him to be a fifth-year senior, is that a major issue? Which were you at on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where we are with all these guys. Like, everyone takes – I mean, we got spoiled, man. And, and we're going to find out, too, at the wide receiver position if, like, one of these guys can just walk in and beat Jamar or Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. But, like, you know, when when Burrow or just Justin Herbert hit and, you know, even Baker's rookie year set the record for, you know, rookie passing touchdowns. Like, we found out last year and what was heralded as, like, one of the best QB classes uh, of all time, like – it's still a struggle to play this position when you get to the next level. And those are all guys that like projected well last year. And for the most part, I mean, I know that we can pick on a few different things from each project, but like all these guys were saying their projects to begin with uh, is really tough. Uh, that's why it's tough to like really get excited about a lot of these guys and generate a lot of, you know, steam. If you're a, a team that needs a quarterback in this draft and you're trying to get your fandom going and saying like, we're going to get the savior of our franchise here. I don't know how you get here. With it with his class the other thing that to add on to that too is the the teams that need quarterbacks this year 
are like not soft landing spots. Detroit, Atlanta, which has maybe one oh, of the yeah. worst <laughs> rosters in the NFL right now. The Seahawks, who are just hell bent on doing the Seahawks thing and making every game ugly and, and dragging people down to their level kind of deal. That additionally makes me more like worried about, especially in fantasy, just like speaking from a fantasy point of view, like outside of, of Willis, who I think can be, you know, on the Lamar Jackson spectrum as a rusher, um, not, not to his level, but like, you know, I think he could rush for a thousand yards kind of guy outside of Willis. Like, all these guys are potentially landing at these terrible teams where they're going to be like Trevor Lawrence times a hundred in terms of like the situation around them. Cause Trevor Lawrence was way more equipped to deal with some of the issues that the Jags had last year. And he was still terrible. You know what I mean? And so that worries me also. I mean, I, I haven't found the age is like that big of a factor mm-hmm. for quarterbacks as it is for other mm-hmm. positions. Um, especially once you get into, You've seen some of them in the NFL. Like I, sometimes guys, they normally perform pretty well initially if they're going to be good or they don't perform well if they're not going to be good. I mean, I'm sure there's someone out there who's still, you know, like Sam Darnold, he's 24 years old. Maybe, maybe still got a chance, but yeah. So, but, but, but for, younger than Pickett, right? Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I think he yeah. I mean, be. so, so oh my God. there's, but I don't think it matters that much as much as it does on, as far as the evidence of when you go and play. And we have seen guys, like you mentioned Burrow, maybe you mentioned someone like Russell Wilson who breaks out late and some other guys, like if you're, if you have the draft position, behind you even if you're an older guy i don't think it matters that much but it is something to at least consider all right let's move to matt corral uh he has an expected draft position of 26 it seems like he's sometimes mocked in kind of that like round pick 20 um but he often is mocked in the second round kevin you have him as the top quarterback in the class where you out on corral well, I guess it's just I, I I mean again, I come at this from a perspective of not really knowing uh, on an evaluation standpoint what what's going on, but I look at a guy who was you know, a high-level starter for a couple of years. He played well under pressure versus both of those years. He's mobile. Uh, I don't think he's going to replicate his rushing production in the NFL because he'll probably get himself killed, but <laughs> he did. I mean, this, this is a guy, you know, who's putting up like 600, 700 rushing yards and a lot and, and touchdowns on the ground too. So he has, I, I think sometimes there's a, there's like a physical attribute sort of aspect to being excited about someone as a rushing quarterback in the NFL, but ultimately you have to be willing and have the instincts to do it. So he, at least he's shown that whether or not at 100, 212 or 215 pounds, however big he is, whether he can, he can hold up there. So he, he kind of checks those boxes. And the other things that I look for as far as being able to avoid sacks and make quick decisions, I know that's the downside of him is the fact that he played in this offense where it was single read a lot of the time, a lot of RPOs, a lot of screens, a lot of little flare passes and other things that he's not necessarily going to have at the next level, but at least he executed. So for me, like I, I prefer guys who execute a simplified offense to guys who don't play as well, but then maybe have more of a pro level sort of offense. I realize it gives us less confidence in how well they'll play because of that, but there still is something good about being able to execute quickly and make reads quickly and avoid sacks, which he was able to do. So for all those reasons, I like him. I mean, I guess when I watch him, I think he's got a good arm too. Like I I don't feel like he's a bad traits sort of guy as a prospect. So unlike maybe what you would say with, I don't know, Tua at the end of at the NFL level and the concerns about the RPO built offense because of what he can do throwing the ball. Like, I don't know if those, there are those same concerns about Corral, but Again, I, I'm not I'm not a big tape evaluator guy. He just checks those boxes for the different types of stats-based traits that I look for. Rich, where do you think his his rushing will ultimately come in at the NFL level? Can he be Daniel Jones-esque? Yeah, I think when you look at the rest of this class outside of Willis, everyone's athletic enough and they can run, but it's yeah, it's gonna be kind of like do these guys pull all that rushing over, kind of like a Baker Mayfield, right? In in college. Uh, I think Howell's the same way who had like a ridiculous about like rushing spike this year. And those guys are athletic, but I think it's not going to be necessarily those guys are going to get the designed runs. It's going to be just kind of more sporadic uh, guys that can give you a little bit of rushing. Corral is interesting. I like him and Howell a a lot more than Pickett just because of the age and they broke out earlier. Uh, They showed you a little bit more, Uh, but like, yeah, Corral takes projection because it's like, 
he they didn't ask him to do anything he's going to do in the NFL. I mean, you think about like traditional dropbacks of three or more uh, steps in the end uh, uh, of his, what he took in his college career, just 22% last year. It was the lowest rate in all of college football, not even this class. Uh, the NFL average is 62%. Like, you know, he did the most uh, completions and pass attempts behind the line of scrimmage. He threw short of the sticks more than any quarterback in this class. So it's just like all this like projection, but it, I do think he offers, like Kevin said, just like he did what he was asked to do and he did it, did it relatively well. Uh, so, I mean, I don't want to knock him for that either, but it's like also, again, we just take the projection angle. It's like, all right, well, how can he do these things when we're asking him to take a five-step drop under center, uh, things he's going to have to do that he just did absolutely none of it in college, which is tough to like kind of really glom onto and say like, all right, yep, gung-ho. Danny, you compare him in the draft guy to um, uh, Marcus Mariota. I actually had him too as a as my downside comp for him in the article. I'm working on was a less mobile Marcus Mariota, but I also had a more <laughs> right. mobile Mac Jones. Could he be a more mobile Mac Jones? And is that exciting or not? That would work, I think. Um, I started to think of him more, and Kevin, I think you mentioned the name, like a Tua type player where he in college it was just RPO, 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 RPO. And like you love the fast processing, you love the accuracy. And, and I was a big Tua guy when he came out. Um, and maybe I'm overreacting now to that because of, of to his limitations. But I do think, you know, in terms of what we said, it's a projection. You, we don't exactly know how he's going to play. And, and I think it's the same deal with Willis where with Willis and um, with Corral, it's like both basically we're like, we have to project what these guys are going to do when they're asked to go through progression reads and run a more NFL offense and where you're doing like, you know, you're, you're doing more than just getting it out like within three seconds or whatever. And so I think when I compare Willis to Corral, like I just like Willis's tools more, even though I think what you said, Kevin is, is right. Is, is Corral actually executed the offense much more efficiently and, and was much more decisive and avoided sacks at a higher level and all that, which is very good. But I think when I look at it, like a guy like Willis, it's just like the tools are, are much better. So it's hard again, again, like I actually don't, I don't dislike Corral. I just think, you know, number one, um, it's a huge rejection. Number two, we haven't really seen anything from him in the post uh, season like stuff because he's been injured. He's been coming back from this angle injury or whatever. And so um, he's kind of just fallen behind uh, in like the hype department, I think. And and um, just because it's like out of sight, out of mind type of deal where all these other guys are doing their thing. And, um, you know, so I think that's another factor that we have to to take into account here and i don't have a good grasp on where he's gonna go like i've seen you know there are some of the big draft media guys i think have him as number one or at least in their top three um and then other i've heard like just through the grapevine like he might fall into like the third round it's like that's the kind of range Whoa. that we have here so i you know i think it i think more often more likely i would probably peg him as like a late first or early second um but again, like the, the teams that need quarterbacks may not take a quarterback in the first round. So it's just tough. It's very tough to determine, I think, where he's going to go. Um, but I think, yeah, I like the tool set. I, th I think he is does have a, a live arm. Um, he can make plays out of structure. And, you know, if you can get him developed and in, in, in into an NFL offense, I think that he has a high upside. I just think that's just a huge question mark, you know? Yeah, I, I'd be interested to hear, like, what feedback people are getting for interviews or a little bit behind the scenes. I mean, the one thing about him is he had, he kind of had like bouts of depression early in his college career. Mm -hmm. He mentioned he was drinking too much. He, he turned that around. If you go even further back, there's, <laughs> if you go to his Wikipedia page, there's this awesome paragraph about how he basically got kicked out of high school for getting in a fight with Wayne Gretzky's yeah. son. That's at a, at a basketball game. <laughs> yeah. And that he, and he, and he was quoted as saying that, that kid and his dad tried to F up my life talking about Wayne Gretzky's son and Wayne Gretzky. And he, you know, he was committed to USC and they basically pulled their, their offer. And then he was thinking about going to Florida and then, you know, so I'm just saying there's some stuff hanging around there. And I think he's got like moxie or whatever. He's got that sort of stuff too. I mean, this guy was lowering the head and going into defensive backs whenever yeah. he could even was totally ill-advised. You know, he had a high ankle sprain in the in the bowl game. And he's like, you know, it's, it's football guy poor in the way he talks about he, he was he would have done it no matter what he was playing for his teammates and this and that. But I don't know if that's really smart right. to, to say to say that at the same time. So I think like he's a really interesting guy where some people would be turned on by him and some people might think, oh, is this going to be a 
I don't know, a Baker Mayfield situation where we're getting Instagram posts about, you know, doubters and other stuff going on on the outside. And maybe people don't like that aspect also. Yeah, I think that that, that was who I came, who came to mind when you were talking about like the football guy porn is like Baker Mayfield. Like a lot of us, I think, bought into that. And now it, yeah. in retrospect, it's like, OK, well, you got to be good at football, too. Um, not that he's not good at football, but he's clearly not like an elite talent that we thought that he would be with the first overall pick. So, um, yeah, I think it's so tough. Um, I think it is, again, it's in the eye of beholder because I think Kevin, as you were saying, he has some, uh, Mm -hmm. some issues in his, in his past life that he has acknowledged and talked about. And he said, you know, he's grown from it. So some teams will look at that and be like, this guy has grit. You know, he's, he's come back from adversity. He knows how to react in adverse situations. Um, I know the Seahawks are huge on this. Like they've talked about grit over the last few years, you know, Angela Duckworth, I think wrote the book called grit, where it was like, you get inoculated in how to respond to adversity and things like that. Like, it's like a psychological response and like you're, you learn how to do that kind of deal. Um, so some teams will look at that as a good thing. Other teams look at it like he had you know, he, he has mentioned that he had problems with alcohol and just quit drinking. Some teams may yeah. look at that as a, as a negative clearly. So um, I think that's just like, again, not to sit on the fence, but like, that's this whole class is it's eye of a holder and it's vibes. <laughs> and it's like, they're all very different and, and all have big red flags. So it, it's, I, this is just the most impossible class. I mean, I, I do like him. I don't know why. I guess it's like he gets some of these yeah. metrics. I watch yeah. him play. Maybe it's confirmation bias, but I'm like, Hey, the guy's at least like, playing well and seems to be executing and i think he has a i think like tools wise he kind of reminds me a little bit of like he doesn't have as good of an arm as zach wilson but he kind of is like zach wilson in a way like he's kind of twitchy like in the pocket he can move around but he's not necessarily going to be like he's not going to run a a four or five or something like that on a 40 yard dash and he's got a good enough arm for me now so I, I guess I just, again, it's another reason where I'm like, eh, he seems good enough to warrant like a mid first round pick for me, but maybe NFL teams don't, don't feel that way. Yeah. I think the Zach Wilson thing is a good comp too, actually. Not quite of a, of a snappy arm, but like a pretty good arm. Yeah. 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 But then again, Zach Wilson's arm, <laughs> that ball, that ball's fluttering all over the place as a rookie. So um, yeah. he had that one pro day throw though. We'll, we'll, have, that, we'll have that forever. That's all I think about when everyone was showing the Malik Willis throw and it's like, oh man, we did this. I mean, that throw year. was awesome. It really like, was. Zach Wilson. It, was. it might've been like the best throw I've ever seen as far as the way he really was just, it made no sense how yeah. he was falling away in one direction yeah. and flipped it back that way. So anyway. Rich, you mentioned that, you know, he was throwing short of the stick slot on third down uh, thrown behind the line of scrimmage a lot. And so like, I guess, you know, that there's maybe upside here. It's not a ton of upside, but there's, there's upside if he's like got some rushing ability, plus mm-hmm. like he's a, a competent system operator. Uh, in my article, I've, <laughs> I've said maybe he could be Daniel Jones meets Jimmy Garoppolo. And while, you know, Jimmy Dimes isn't the most exciting uh, upside comp in the world, like that would actually have some, some fancy value to it. But at the same time, the system, that he's in potentially is hiding some of the the red flags. How worried are you about the floor, Rich? Yeah, we don't know. I mean, he's another one of those guys that when you look at like accuracy on like, you know, um, like intermediate to deep throws, he was awful. He was the only dude, but he was the next guy, you know, to Malik Willis. So it's like, all right, well, what are we getting? Because you would think, especially being in an RPO offense, that some of that stuff would be open, right? Um, And it wasn't. He was another one of the guys that struggled in the intermediate area of the field. So it's like really, but he was really good in 2020 though, too. So it's like really kind of hard to say, like, did, you know, you know, that everything kind of fall apart on him. Uh, it, it's just like, like I said, it's just a project. So, I mean, it's just, they, that system just didn't ask him to do a lot of things that he's probably going to be asked to do in the NFL. Uh, and that's just what makes it kind of a tough guesswork. But I do like him. I mean, I like him more than I like Pickett. So, uh, I don't, I would have no problem with like taking a shot on him. He ends up getting like in the sneaks into the first round because the team wants to bank that fifth year option. I mean, he'll, he's another guy that like I'll be interested in. What, what, what other thing I'll say though about the throwing short of the sticks? Like, again, is it ability or is it offense? Because they went for it on fourth down 49 times last year, which was the mm-hmm. most of any team in college football, uh, converting 63% of those. Um, so it's kind of like on third down. 
they're okay mm. being short of the stakes on, on third down. That's kind of part of the the plan is they'd rather be in you know fourth and one or fourth and two than than fourth and eight and not and not have the ability to go for it. So that's another thing to consider when it comes to how they how they're playing is it's just it's part of the overall philosophy of hey, if we're going to go for it fifty times, if we're going to go for it a handful of times every single game, then they don't have an issue with it. Well, Brandon Staley already has a quarterback, so we're going to need to. <laughs> it's spreading. It's spreading. Danny, if he goes in the first round, are you more excited about Corral than Pickett, or you still have Pickett ahead? Uh, for fantasy, for sure, yeah. I think because he has that dynamic sort of dual threat skill set. I, I don't think he's you know an elite runner by any means, but he, he is – um, I'm trying to think of like a good comp for him in terms of how he would run. But yeah, I think he, he would definitely be a type of guy who could like 400, 500 yards scrambling and, and some rushing kind of deal. Um, I might be way off on the yardage totals, by the way. I'm just throwing these numbers out. But Rich, you can correct me if I, I'm way over guessing here. But yeah, but I think he he has that dual threat ability. They can utilize him in the um, in the red zone. Maybe he's like a Dak kind of guy where like you're rushing him read option stuff in the red zone because he's tough and physical and able to run it in. Um but yeah, I think um, if he goes in the first round, let me put it this way, because of course you just have to get as much homerism in as possible. If the Seahawks took Malik Willis or Matt Corral, I would be, I could talk myself into those for sure. Okay. <laughs> That's all that um, matters. That should yeah. be the entire evaluation. <laughs> How do we feel if the Seahawks draft them? Let's move to, to Sam. It's How a new world for me, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> it is true. You, Yilson, you've had a good run here the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Uh, before we get to Sam Howell, I want to remind the listeners, the madness is upon us. Get an Edge Plus annual subscription now to unlock our college basketball DFS and betting tools with game predictions, player props, projections, and more. Get ready to cut down the nets using promo code BRACKETS20. You'll get every tool for every sport with your Edge Plus subscription, including our new fantasy baseball draft guide powered by Rotoworld. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code Brackets 20 at checkout and find your edge. All right, let's get to Sam Howell. He's got an expected draft position at grinding the mocks of 34.8, but he seems like sometimes he'll get like put in mock drafts in that corral spot. Uh, but more often he's going in the second round. Um, Rich, you're the highest on Howell. Uh, he's got some exciting qualities. Got, as you mentioned, that rushing spike last year. Also a pretty good deep ball terrible at avoiding sacks as we'll get to but uh what do, what do you like about how uh i mean he just kind of shows up objectively for me just because he's two years younger than everybody else with a younger breakout uh has he protected the ball better a little bit than matt corral uh in terms of touchdown interception rate which is is pretty sticky coming to the nfl so it's just like small edge but again this guy is a zillion red flags too i mean this <laughs> 
I mean, they lost a ton of talent and they like basically changed their whole offensive system last year. They just ran like they are another team like ran like an all RPO offense last year. Uh, he just ran, but he just like would throw it deep, like throw it deep or, or throw it short or get sacked. Uh, you know, he was under pressure more than any quarterback in this class except for Skylar Thompson, but also co- compounded that like the Burrow effect, right? Like Burrow has always been bad at taking sacks. When you put him behind a bad offensive line, you get like something that happened like last year with Cincinnati. And that's like what how, how bad at taking sacks and the offensive line was bad. And it just turned into a nightmare uh, in terms of that. And then his under pressure rate stuff was just a disaster. So um, he was second to last in yards for pass attempt under pressure uh, in this draft class. So again, I mean, small micro edges in the fact that he's younger uh, and like had like an earlier spike, but also another guy that has like a bunch of red flags and we kind of just want to see where he gets drafted. I mean, who, which team uses that fifth year like option at the end of the first round, right? Like, or who trades back up to like take a shot at one of these guys because of that? Like we kind of don't really know, but one or two of these guys could kind of sneak into that zone. Kevin, you have uh, in in the sack avoidance article a graph here, and uh, Willis and Howell are like in the bottom right corner where they they're adding a lot of scramblers, but they're just subtracting a ton in terms of their ability to avoid sacks. Very unique profiles, but Howell's not really seen as like you know a true dual threat. So does he have risk of like continuing the sack issues at the NFL, but not adding as much as Willis? on the ground yeah i mean i think there's a risk there i think that it's something that got a lot worse in this last year but it was it was evident before i mean my okay my my very poor like film take though but when i watch him run i i'd actually be a little bit more confident he can run in the nfl more and stay healthy than matt corral can i don't know he i think he has a bit more uh I mean, I think he's just a bit thicker when it comes to something like BMI even or something else. And so he seems more, he's taller, obviously, but more kind of Russell Wilson-ish as far as maybe his ability to to, to not get as injured on on some of these plays. But like you mentioned, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's got decent, he's got a good arm. He can run pretty well. It's just the numbers are not quite there and the decision making is not quite there. And then when things got bad, he made him worse. And that's not exactly what you're 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 hoping to see. Um, but at the same time, if he continued to play for another couple of years in college, who knows, we might see a real upside season. And if he was coming out after that, all of a sudden we'd be calling him a top five pick versus what how the discussion we're having about him now. Yeah, but one other thing with Hal and that I put into like some of my decision making for the fantasy stance is I always go back to how they were treated in like the Debbie community coming out of high school. And like Howell was like thought of like this can't miss prospect. Mm-hmm. So if there's going to be a discount on him, I just want to take a couple shots at Co- it. Yeah. Coming uh, into the season, I think people thought he was going to be a top five pick in this draft. And then of course he had a bad year relative to his first couple of years. And so that's fallen off um, for me. Like, I think I just have to sort of go, I, I with how I just kind of, I'm going against the analytics because Rich, like you said, he's um, I think analytically probably the strongest prospect in this class in terms of like his numbers, his deep passing. Um, he's an early declare things like that. But um, I just, when I watch him, I just can't get excited about it. I, I don't like, maybe I'll end up being totally wrong. Cause like, look, quarterback is very hard to, to evaluate, but when I watch him, like he's throwing, like his footwork is terrible at times. Um, he, when he doesn't get his first read, he just bails and starts running. He, they're, they're running a lot of like QB draw plays. Um, I don't think he, like, in my opinion, he was not nearly as good as some of the other quarterbacks in this class at like throwing on the run or throwing out of structure. Um, when pressure showed up, he like his arm strength died. And, and, and so like a lot of those he's things got like, a bit more of a windup, I feel like mm-hmm. in his throw. I mean, it's, it's subtle, but he's, it's still more there. He's like Baker in the sense that he can huck it hard if he has his feet set and, you know, can step into the throw, but if he's like trying to move and throw out of the pocket and things like that, like to me that that was a big concern. And so, um, you know, I understand a lot of people have him higher, but I just, when I watched, I was just like, I just can't see this translating in addition to the fact he's like undersized, um, in terms of height. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, to, I just can't get excited about it for whatever reason. Maybe I'm just a hater, but I don't like how, so in the second round, the Seahawks take him. You're, you're not excited. This is going to happen for sure. <laughs> and then I'll probably talk myself into it. Yeah. Second round. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll go back to what Rich said about like just objective stats are there. So let's just go with that. 
He's he's number one on the PFF big board as mm-hmm. of now. Who knows? Of course, again with this class, there's no there's no guarantee that's going to. Yeah, I wanted to sound like I love him either, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So Howell's good. So, okay. If Howell's good, I'll take credit. If Howell's good, then, <laughs> yeah, we'll then all it's, it's it all on Rich either way. Yeah. Uh, well, Rich, like, you know, how excited could you get about him? Like, if he goes, I don't. know, Let's say he goes twenty to the Steelers. I mean, like, if he goes in the first round, then I would have him probably locked in behind Willis. But if he goes in the second round, then he'll fall um, just because that would just signal a path that he's going to start sooner than later, right, and give him better odds. But, I mean, he could go pick 20 or he can go pick 50. I mean, we don't really know. And that's kind of the – but he's the wider – I think he has a wider range of outcomes than the other guys because Pickett probably doesn't yeah. get out of the first round. And Corral, like, even if some teams do not like him, I feel like there's enough that still kind of do. I see him more consistently in, like, that that 20 to 40 range, right? Whereas Howell, like, can be there sometimes. And sometimes he's just off people's, like, board all the like, way down. So he feels like he's a way wider range. So it just depends who finally takes that squeeze and plunge on him. But draft capital is going to matter a lot for these guys because if they don't get in the first round, then we can treat them exactly like we're kind of pessimistically treating them anyways. Yeah, I mean, I think for fantasy, for him, for this, for Hal again, like I know I mentioned the rushing thing earlier. If he starts as a rookie, you're going to be getting some rushing because he's going to go. Mm-hmm. He's going to he's going to be bailing Take out and running constantly. <laughs> so, uh, like, I would put him second to to Willis as far as if you're going to project a guy who's going to give you that that rushing production early in their careers. Yeah, and is he like the type of guy that's worth like? Let's say he goes in the second round, but like not early in the second round. And it's clear that he's going to potentially be something maybe in year two, you know, maybe we'll get like a Jalen Hurts situation where it all goes to hell and he, and he's starting by the end of the year, but that's not likely. Is he the type of guy that's worth taking a premium flyer on in Superflex? Kevin, where are you at on that? Like, are you, are you still like interested in him uh, developing or you just, you'd rather take uh, a skill player? I mean, I'd probably rather take a skill player if he's not a first round pick, but um, that's just me. I mean, it, it goes again to this thing of like, we just don't know. They're just, they're, they're, they're the base level of play for quarterback now in the NFL is pretty strong. I mean, if you think about some of the matchups, like some of the good old Thursday night matchups we used to have back in the olden days, we'll still get some of those. And I'm sure I'm saying that now and by like week eight, it'll just be chaos for whatever's going on. But yeah, I think it makes it harder for a guy to eventually find his path to being a starter um, from the second round or third round or, or someplace like that. Um, it's really kind of first round or bust for most of these guys, unless you want to just occupy a, a bench spot for a while. Yeah. What's interesting in this class from a fantasy perspective in Superflex leagues, it seems like people are elevating this class strictly for the quarterback currency. When we were just two years removed from Justin Herbert went pick six and no one wanted to take him in the first round <laughs> in a- Superflex leagues. Yes. This and he went to pick six. Like we were talking about a guy going maybe like Kenny Pickett or something going like pick 20 to the Steelers or something. It's like, well, by default, he's got to be like 103, right? And like, <laughs> I don't understand how we got here like so fast. Uh, I understand that the quarterbacks are currency, but I mean, I still feel like if I have those picks, I mean, it's you're still reaching. I mean, you, there are some a lot better prospects, I think, at the other positions in this draft class that I think you can feel really strongly about having higher floors. Uh, despite the currency angle when i look at the when i look at mock drafts for Superflex dynasty i'm always like you know there I, I don't know exactly where guys like corral and <clears throat> and uh howell are going but like if they're in the top 10 i'm like hell yeah let's see this happen in real life because yeah. then it'll be pushing guys back for me and i was mm-hmm. thinking the exact same thing about um about justin herbert because i remember thinking the same thing so maybe this turns out differently but like herbert obviously was a I think a much better prospect. And he went number six, as you said. So, uh, but I remember thinking at the time, like, oh yeah, if you take Herbert, that's good. Cause it pushes Judy down to me or whoever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let me get Jamison Williams or Garrett Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I the think Herbert taking, thing, uh, the Herbert thing is the best. Is, is I have a, I have a save screenshot that I'm going to use to as blackmail evidence against PFF people of after that pick. <laughs> It was like <laughs> FF in D plus oh, or something like yeah. that. And it's like, yeah. like, how do you even, okay. Of course I remember at the time, like I almost got talked into being super negative, but like just for positional value, like, mm-hmm. how can you have an F for taking a quarterback at the, uh, uh, the six pick or whatever. But anyway, sorry, got Herbert sidetracked here. But yeah, if we get one of these guys in the top 10, then you're good. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, are we? Willis, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had Howell, uh, 
and Danny, you have uh, shades of Baker Mayfield with wheels. Uh, yeah. I was looking at him as, as maybe Baker Mayfield with a better deep ball. But the downside I have for him is smaller Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Is that, is I, that, his, his, that name came to mind when we were just talking about okay. it. So, um, because I think wasn't I, my memory is failing me, but like Rudolph, wasn't he known for like just aggressive deep balls in college and things yeah. like that? Like, I think that's like a similar discussion we're having with Howell where he's like, you know, obviously very aggressive and, and accurate down the field, but that can't be the only thing you do. And, you know, mm-hmm. again, like the, like making things happen when structure breaks down to me is like a worry for Howell. Uh, other than scrambling, scrambling is good, but like at some point you have to like, you know, run the offense. So, um, that's what worries me with him. All right, let's get to Desmond Ritter. Uh, expected draft position of 35.1. <clears throat> Yet another one of these guys who sometimes you see in the late first, um, more often not. But, Kevin, you have him number two. Uh, what, do, what do you like about Ritter? Well, I mean, he's tall, I guess. We'll <laughs> give him that. He's the one guy in the class <laughs> talking at 6'4", so that's that's not bad. Um I mean, he's comes closer in some of these metrics, whether it be some of the pressure passing stuff, the sack avoidance has been good and bad when he's been doing it. He's athletic enough to run and has done some of that too. And I guess it's it's more of a lack of enthusiasm for the other guys, the non-corral guys, than it is <laughs> yeah. really enthusiasm for Ritter. And he, I felt like there was a little bit of a groundswell amongst like the the dark web of uh, college football evaluation uh, for Ritter and trying to put him into like being the top quarterback of the class. So if, if there's enough people where he can, he seems like he can gain enough fans and he's gaining some momentum, then I just look at how he performed and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I could do that over maybe a picket or a Howell or, or, or even a Willis for me. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm more skeptical of Willis being successful in the NFL, but then again, if he gets drafted super early and that really gets confirmed, then I would, then I would probably flip it around and have Willis above, above Ritter. But for now I'm, I'm going to stick with that. Danny, where are you at on on Ritter as as a rusher? Uh, is that going to be is he going to be like a you know a Jalen Hurts esque rusher or more of kind of a Daniel Jones type rusher? Yeah, I'd see the latter. I, I you know I think he's mm-hmm. a he tested really really well um, at the combine, like one of the better quarterback testers in terms of the all time list of of quarterbacks. And so of course not all the elite athletes at quarterback test at the combine, so that that is a caveat. But um, he's got speed. He's kind of got like the gazelle style speed, which is why I did comp him to Daniel Jones. Um, but in a good way, in the sense that he, you know, if he gets open space, he can run, he can take off, he can make a defense pay. Um, he can do things on bootlegs and things like that and, and be dangerous in that way. But like, he's not to me a twitchy sudden make guys miss, um, type runner where you like a lot of these like read option guys that are, they're so valuable in fantasy because they can do that type of thing. I don't see him really in that same, category so i'd say he's the type of guy who can scramble he can you know do some um red zone stuff and and some bootleg stuff but i wouldn't see him as like a big time rusher if that makes any sense he's like daniel jones he can make you pay and he won't fall down probably 30 yards (laughs) down the field or whatever 40 50 yards down the field i just that play all tire play uh for daniel jones but um but yeah like again also i think yeah he he's taller he looks more like a prototypical at the position type guy um I think what he does, he's a four-year starter, very experienced, lots of um, lots of like starts under his belt. He does a lot of the protections and things like that at the at the line of scrimmage, which I think is why the dark web likes him so much, is because mm-hmm. he's like higher level quarterbacking than anybody else in this class, really, because he's he's yeah. you know he's more probably pro ready than maybe even than uh, than sorry I'm blanking on the uh, on Pickett. Ken, Kenny Pickett yeah, um, but again it's like there there are some downsides to him like he he doesn't have i don't think a defining trait um he's a little like slow in, in the sense like i guess maybe it's like deliberate is like a positive way to put it. he's very deliberate with like how he delivers the football and um does things in the pocket but maybe like some some people will look at that as like slow that was the same problem with like justin fields where maybe just like need to speed things up like half a half a beat when you're when you're in the pocket so there's there's some things there and then accuracy is is hit or miss at times but i actually like ritter kind of a lot so um you know again it's all relative but in this class like i think 
Ritter has a pretty good upside because of all those traits that he has and like his ability to do some of the, the, the higher level quarterback stuff. So it sounds like you're happier if the Seahawks take him in the second round than how <laughs> they could. I think that's, this is a distinct possibility. They take Ritter in the second round. Just put it that way. Right. This entire show is just a coping mechanism for Danny. Uh, <laughs> this is the coping <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they can take Willis in the at number nine, and I'd be fine. I can talk myself into it, and then it'd be either Ritter or uh, Ritter or um, Corral, and the second would be like I'd be fine with that. Just Rich, you have record, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Rich, you have um, Ritter fifth. Uh, he does have some some rushing intrigue, but <clears throat> you're not as sold. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things about Ritter. I mean, he's kind of like inverse of what we talked about with Matt Corral, right? Like, he was asked to do a lot of things like pre-snap and, and things that, like, that you see translate. I think that's why people do like him, like Danny said. But then, like, I can't get over the fact that for a couple of things, like, one, like, this is – he played, like, a dominant, like, defense in, like, a, a weaker conference. Uh, didn't really ever have to do anything. He was never under pressure. I mean, his, his pressure rate – uh, only the kid from Western Kentucky was under pressure at a lower rate than him. But when he was under pressure, he had the by far the lowest on-target rate of any quarterback in this class, even 10% lower than the next highest guy. Uh, and then also, like I talked a little bit earlier about like punching up, right? Well, on the big stage, the last two, when Ritter had to play Georgia, I mean, he was awful in both games. Like, you know, one of the biggest knocks I remember, like Deshaun Watson coming out, like whenever he was doing the, he threw the ball 45 miles an hour or whatever. I was like, I don't know. I just watched him throw for 400 yards back to back years against Alabama. Like I'm pretty sure the dude could play. Right. Ritter, Ritter, when they had to punch up and play like elite competition, he wasn't good. And like, to me, like that state, like that's just stuff, like whether I should stock it or not, like, but it stands out to me. I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, so we move him up to the NFL and we're going to ask him to do a lot of things that he was doing at Cincinnati. Like, he's probably going to be doing doing that well. And then with the accuracy issues, like, I just have a bunch of red flags. I feel like the cart is ahead of the horse on him. But uh, he is the guy that's the one guy of all the guys we've talked about that feels, like, universally steamed. Like, everyone kind of does like Desmond Ritter, right? Whereas, like, you were poking more holes than other guys. But, uh, yeah. To me, uh, he's not a guy I'm really generally intrigued by, really, on any level, to be honest. Kevin, he ranked pretty poorly in both the uh, the pieces that you had out recently. He, he's not good under pressure, and he took a lot of sacks, although he does add scrambling like like everyone in the class. Yeah, I think it was a little bit better uh, the year before that, so I don't know. Maybe maybe my love is just based on um, – the fact that I'm a I'm a big forehead enthusiast, and uh, he's he's <laughs> he packs a punch in that department, yeah, yeah. you know. Following up on Burrow, and of course that. Peyton Manning, the you know one of the greatest <laughs> greatest forehead. So it's it's the it's maybe it doesn't fall in technically in the in the analytics category, but I feel like we should we, we just should need to measure it. Now, we just so need to get a, yeah. get the ruler. Out. <laughs> maybe yeah, it's growing. I think it's growing also, <laughs> probably a little too fast for his liking. Uh, so that that's part of it too. Nice. All right. Uh, I think moving on to the ret, there's two other guys I had on the list here, but I don't. Is there any? Do any of you have enthusiasm at all for Carson Strong, who is not expected to get drafted, probably even in the second round, probably a third round pick, and is a statue who takes sex? It was 1987. Yes, <laughs> absolutely locked in on this guy. Yeah, yeah. No, Great no, name, no interest here. Way. No interest here for for Strong. Okay. What about Bailey Zappi, who has like a worse expected draft position, uh, 170, uh, 180, according to uh, Grinding the Mocks. Uh, he's got some accuracy. He's got a deep ball. Any developmental appeal with Zappi? I think when you watch his – so I think physically, physical traits-wise, he's not that exciting. He's kind of – I think in that Taylor Heineke mold, but maybe not That's as exactly mobile. what I was going to say. Taylor um, Heineke, yeah. yeah. But I think the stats are certainly a little misleading. Like the offense that you watch, I was just going back and watching some of them today, actually to prep for this, because I haven't dug deep on him to be totally honest. But when you watch his, his games, it's like he's dropping back, sitting there for five seconds and just throwing to a wide open guy <laughs> like time and time again. I don't know how they did like great scheme or whatever, but he's throwing to wide open guys like all game long. Um, so that's kind of, that makes it tough. And I get, you know, he wasn't super impressive at the senior bowl, I think physically speaking in, in, in terms of arm strength and ability to throw off platform, all that stuff. So I think he's probably, he profiles as like a backup type guy who can, 
you know, come in and, and maybe like get people excited or whatever for a game or two. But like long term, I don't think the tools are there um, necessarily to be a long term starter. All right. All right. I think that'll do it uh, for this episode. Uh, Danny, let the people know what you got over at the ringer. Uh, you can check out my draft guide at theringer.com. So it's nfldraft.theringer.com. And then uh, we host a draft podcast called The Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show feed. Nice. Kevin, what do you, what do you got going on? Uh, you know, just more uh, draft comps pieces I'm putting out for all the different wide receivers and running backs, maybe some more research. And then uh, I host a podcast, Unexpected Points Podcast, you check out. Rich, what do you got uh, over at Sharp Football Analysis? Uh, SharpFootballAnalysis.com, just rolling out all these uh, write-ups on every trade that happens every day in the NFL now. Uh, and the fallout from that. <laughs> you must uh, be exhausted, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, Crane's at NBC. I can just picture Ed in the background, like, who's getting on this one? Like, who's taking this one? Uh, A lot of Twitter so, spaces these days. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> So definitely keep it up on that. But yeah, I've done, I've wrote up, written up most of these prospects. We're waiting for the draft and some draft capital uh, over at sharpfullanalysis.com. Uh, looking forward to post draft, uh, potentially they're not being NFL trades. All right. And well, thanks. Thanks so much, guys, for, uh, for joining me for this. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince. Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented... They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.